millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I won't. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Say in which national park I work. I'll just tell you that I had been assigned to watch over an old watchtower deep in the heart of the woods. At first, it seemed like a simple assignment. Just me, the tower, and the trees. But as the days passed, strange things began to happen. 
It started with a feeling, a sense that I was being watched, even when I was alone in the tower. And then there were the noises, footsteps in the hallway, whispers in the dark. At first, I thought I was just imagining things. But the occurrences became more frequent, more intense. I could feel a malevolent presence in the tower, something that was targeting me specifically. I tried to ignore it, to tell myself that it was just my imagination. But it was impossible to ignore the feeling of dread that hung over me every time I stepped foot in the tower. And then, one night, it all came to a head. I was sitting at my desk, trying to fill out some paperwork, when I heard a loud banging on the door. It sounded like someone was trying to break in. I reached for my gun and cautiously made my way to the door. As I opened it, I was confronted by two men in black suits. They introduced themselves as agents from a secret government agency that specialized in investigating paranormal activity. I was skeptical, to say the least. I had never heard of such an agency, and I couldn't imagine why they would be interested in what was happening in the old watchtower. But the men were persistent, and they seemed to know more about what was happening than I did. They asked me not to go outside my room. I said, no chance. But they just slammed the door when they left and locked me inside. After a while I managed to pick a lock and get outside. I saw two men in black suit and with black goggles outside. I was stunned. I had no idea how the men had done it, but I sensed a relief in air. I turned to thank them, but when I looked back, one was gone, another approached me. He told me something unbelievable. That there are over 13,000 reported unknown predators in the wild, and that the government was keeping it a secret from the public. The agency that the men worked for was dedicated to tracking down and neutralizing these predators. I wanted to smile a bit, because it was something impossible, but that man was serious. I asked him, why did he tell me that, and he said, because no one would believe you, Ranger. Then he left. I returned to my watchtower and spent whole night thinking, if I'm insane or I'm just ignorant of obvious things that surround me. I've camped all over the country in a lot of the biggest national parks. Places like Yellowstone where there are no humans for tens or twenties of miles if not a solid thirty or more miles and if something happened to you you're pretty much ruined and you will die. We decided to do a quick overnight camp in the woods at least ten or fifteen miles away from any towns or cabins deep in the woods while visiting Two Harbors, Minnesota. We drove way the F out into the woods in the Boundary Waters area where there are roads on maps but it's really two depression tracks in their ground like parallel goat trails made from four times four seconds driving through the woods over the years. This was in the fall just as leaves started to change and some had fallen but maybe half were still on the branches. The only way we knew where we were going was by GPS and the goat tracks. We finally got lost in the branches of trees that canopied over the trail and weeds were whacking the side of my jeep as we kept driving enjoying not being in a normal place. We found a space barely open enough to walk around the jeep but not really big enough for a tent but I was sick of driving. I shut the engine off and we were treated to the sounds of nothing but nature and it was clear there were no humans for a very long ways away. Just the wind and occasionally a crow, that's it. We decided to camp there in the jeep because there wasn't enough of a clearing to put the tent out. 
It was a beautiful afternoon and then evening, and we used a small propane tank grill to make dinner and late afternoon coffee. After dark, it got cold, so we hopped in the Jeep and zipped up for the evening. Sometime around 3 a.m., I woke up from a noise. I couldn't quite tell if I dreamt it or it was real. I sat up and could hardly see out of the Jeep windows, and it had grown much colder than when we went to bed. The windows were frosted about halfway up in an irregular jagged pattern. I sat up for maybe 10 minutes, and since the noise was gone, I figured we were good to go back to sleep or I was anyways. My wife never woke up. I checked the door locks, and since they were unlocked, I hit the lock button on my fob and went back to sleep. The next morning I woke up to my wife saying if it snowed the luck. She was looking out the top of the window from the back of the Cherokee where it wasn't frozen. I sat up and looked out the side window. It looked like we got a foot of snow. I wiggled out of the sleeping bag and opened the door and saw the snow was indeed about a foot deep. I could clearly see this because there were boot footprints in the snow. I was confused at first and wondered WTF they came from then remembered the noise. I closed the door and told my wife what happened. She said, Def, I've got to pee. Go check it out so I can pee. So I dug my boots out of the footwell, put them on and hopped out. It had stopped snowing a couple times. The boot prints circled around the Jeep and clearly stopped to look in the windows. They appeared to come from behind us and continued forever down the path ahead of us without circling back. I walked a bit in both directions before my wife shouted to not go that far away, and could she take a piss from out the cracked door. I shouted yeah and she did. I don't know why but I was surprised to find no other animal tracks, car tracks, horse tracks, nothing just boot prints. I walked back to the jeep pissed off to the side myself and when the wife finished pissing I asked her if she was messing with me. She looked at me as if I was the stupidest person to have walked the face of the earth. No, then she got in the jeep. I did too. The clock on the dash said it was 8.15 in the morning. I looked at my phone, charging from the plug on the dash and had no signal. I started the jeep and started the navigation on the dash and I said, let's get the F out of here. We sat there waiting forever for the GPS to activate on the navigation system. It wasn't so much that the thick overhead clouds were blocking the GPS, it usually does okay with cloud cover. It was the fact that we had a billion trees leaning over the road like a heavy snowed on canvas bouncing the GPS away combined with the weaker GPS signal from the clouds. At least that's what I thought. The map just did nothing and was blank. Eventually I set F it and put the jeep in four wheel low, turned it around and followed the path of the boot prints that were behind. Because I couldn't see the twin goat tracks that made up the road the night before and it was hard to tell where the trail led other than the boot tracks. It was slow going because of the higher snow in the front of the jeep acted as a plow. Eventually the boot tracks faded away. I guessed it was because the boot track maker had been walking while it snowed and it stopped snowing halfway out to where we were in the woods which is why we could follow six or seven miles back through the woods. Sort of like driving backwards through time if you get my meaning. Anyways it meant he had started walking or continued to walk while it snowed in the darkest night in the woods in the middle of ducking nowhere before stumbling on our jeep. 
The GPS came back on not long after we got to the end of his trail as the canopy of trees got further back from the goat tracks and we were relieved to see the wooded goat trail became a gravel road not much further down the way. Plus it was much easier to drive. On the gravel road as there was already one set of tire tracks in the direction we were going. Still not sure how long the boot track stood outside the jeep watching us that night or if the noise was her, him opening and closing the unlocked door or just walking around outside the jeep in the snow. That's the creepiest thing I've experienced. I love camping, the more remote, the better. One night I was camping in northwest Alabama near a small river but up on a hill away from the water. It was a nice level spot with a huge oak tree above and a thick layer of leaves below. I set up my tent and fixed a sandwich then settled in to watch the stars for a bit before falling asleep. The tent flap was zipped but it was a small tent so my head was up against the fabric on one side. I had carefully built a fire pit about 10 feet from the tent with a small fire that was gradually going down to ashes. I woke up with something trying to bite my head through the tent. Whatever it was clamped down just enough that I could feel the teeth as they raked across my skin. The tent fabric kept it from getting a good hold of me. Now I'm a person who reacts to danger by going all out aggressive so my response was to let out the deepest most guttural growl of my life. Whatever it was noped out of there so fast it left skid marks in the leaves. I'm kind of glad it left as the only weapon I had was a kitchen knife. I got up and threw some wood on the remnants of the fire and stoked up a good blaze, then sat in the tent reading until dawn. I am a park ranger, responsible for keeping the peace and ensuring the safety of all visitors in the national park. It was a beautiful day in the park, but little did I know that I was about to have the encounter of a lifetime. It was a calm and peaceful day in the park until I heard strange noises coming from a nearby clearing. I cautiously approached and was shocked to see a large, Bigfoot-like creature. I had heard about these creatures before, but I never expected to actually see one in real life. I immediately called for backup and within minutes, a team of park rangers arrived on the scene. We were all in awe of the massive creature, but we knew we had to act quickly. We tried to get as close as possible to the Bigfoot, but it suddenly became aggressive and started attacking us. We quickly realized that we were no match for the creature and were forced to call in the government for help. A team of government agents arrived, armed with advanced weapons and technology, but the Bigfoot was still too powerful. Despite their efforts, the creature managed to escape into the wilderness. The government declared a state of emergency, and a massive search and rescue operation was launched to find and capture the Bigfoot. They had to act fast, as it was becoming clear that the creature posed a serious threat to public safety. Weeks passed and the government finally managed to track down the Bigfoot. A team of highly trained agents confronted the creature, but things quickly took a tragic turn. The Bigfoot was cornered and, in a desperate act of self-defense, attacked the agents. The resulting violence was devastating and the Bigfoot was killed. The news of the attack and the tragic ending to the Bigfoot quickly spread, causing outrage among the public. 
People were shocked that such a magnificent creature had been killed and many felt that it was a waste of a unique and valuable life. As a park ranger, I was deeply saddened by the outcome of the incident. I couldn't help but wonder what could have been done differently to prevent such a tragedy. I realize that we still have much to learn about these creatures and that it's important to protect and preserve their habitats in order to ensure their survival. In the end, the tragedy of the Bigfoot was a wake-up call for all of us. It reminded us that we need to be more mindful of the impact that we have on the natural world and to work towards a more harmonious relationship with the creatures that share our planet. I will never forget the encounter that changed my life and the tragic end of the Bigfoot. It will always be a reminder of the importance of preserving and protecting our natural resources and wildlife. When I was 15, my parents made the decision that they wanted to build their own farmhouse in the southern pasture, doing away with the mistakes our old house had and improving on a few concepts. I, being the mountain boy I was, was ecstatic. I no longer had to drudge half a mile to my trap line, a mile down, a mile back, and a half a mile to the house and get ready for school. The trap line would be 200 yards from my front door. All big projects start somewhere, and ours started with water. See, we always had problems with iron water at our old house. It stained everything, changed how food tasted, and God forbid you had anything white. So Dad borrowed a bulldozer and an excavator off of a friend for a few days, built a sturdy road down to the bottoms, and dug footers for the house. But first we had to see if we could get a good well on the property. It's well known that a certain sect of my family could witch water and had an old drilling truck, but first, silver had to cross hands, a jug of good shine had to be shared, and the rest poured out. Afterwards, and me and my sister would see if we also had the gift. My cousins came down and checked the land with three things, a fresh forked peach limb, a pure silver pocket watch, and finally a set of heavy copper wires bent into an L. The peach limbs marked the prospects, the watch pull told the depth of the water, and the copper told of its purity. Us kids had to stay up on the hill till they were done, and one by one, we were called down and instructed how to find water and mark it. My sister was down there about half an hour, and then I got the call. When I went down, I was given four flags, instructed how to do it, and set out with a peach limb. Where it pulled the hardest, I marked the spots while my dad and the cousins looked on from the truck. I was next given the pocket watch and told to tell them which one pulled the hardest. After that, I was given the copper tines and told to tell which one crossed the quickest. After much testing, I came up with the one weaving down through our sugar maple patch where we made maple syrup. Well, apparently I was dead on and was congratulated by all attending of my gift. But I digress, onto the creepy part. The next day they brought the rig up, trimmed some trees so they could stand it up, and started drilling on my spot. At 50 feet they hit water unexpectedly, short job right. Well dad had talked them into drilling a few holes in the creek through the bedrock so he could blast a few big holes in the creek for trout, and a swimming hole. Well he had already cleared out a road down to the creek, and cleaned off a section of bedrock diverted the creek to the other side and prepped them a spot to drill. The creek is probably 30 feet wide from bank to bank, 
and is easily crossed dry-footed in dog days, but never goes completely dry. Well, they take the rig down, drive it through the pasture, turn it around, and back it up. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Out on the bedrock. Dad took the dozer and was clearing off a section on the other side of the pasture, and I was watching him for about an hour or two. When my cousins come running up to my dad, yelling for him to come and pull them back up the bank. They ain't drilling any more holes in the damn creek bed. Some words were exchanged, and Dad backed the dozer down, hooked up to the rig, and dragged them back into the pasture. The weirdest thing was, they then set up the rig 50 yards from the creek and started drilling a test hole. When they got about four lengths down, they pulled it up, and went back another 50 yards and drilled another, finally satisfied in what was going on. I, on the other hand, had walked around them and walked down to the creek to where they had just drilled. See, Dad couldn't turn all the creek against the hillside, not enough backfill into much bedrock. What I seen was a drill hole down through the rock with a small stream of water disappearing in it. Come to find out, they had hit an underground cavern at six feet, and it just went. It extended about 50 yards out into our pasture, and maybe another 40 yards beyond that. We had to rearrange where we were putting the house it came so far. We went back down to the creek with a tape measure. The tape measure maxed out, so we got a 100 feet tape and put it down, it maxed out. Dad a spool of baler's twine, tied a rock to it, put it into the hole. We all sat there for half an hour while Dad fed twine down into that hole off that spool. Finally, he said F it, and cut the twine, it's the damn beep, he said. He gingerly drove the dozer back into the creek and smoothed everything up, covering the hole, and that was it. Dad passed away seven years ago this October. I walked down to the creek and fished it this spring for a mess of brookies. The creek changed and scraped itself clean in a few sections this spring. One of the places it scraped clean was the bedrock where the hole is water is still flowing down that hole it never filled up I think I had a first-hand encounter with a humanoid being four years ago as far as I can tell nothing happened to us we were not abducted or harmed in any way but we were very startled and I would almost say I startled the creature as much as it did us it was night time and I was at my boyfriend's apartment hanging out in the bedroom, laying on the bed chatting, watching TV. His roommates were out of town. After a while, I hopped off the bed to use the bathroom. I was just being silly and dramatic for no reason and swung the bedroom door open all the way very quickly. All the lights in the apartment were off at the time except for the bedroom. As I started to take a step out, my body froze as I felt a presence. I took a second or so for my eyes to adjust and see that maybe five feet or so in front of me stood a humanoid figure with its arms in the air sort of crouched at the knees staring back at me. 
like how people put their hands up when they have been startled. Its eyes were huge black saucers and its head was almost frog-shaped with a small mouth gaped open. It took me a second to realize what I was looking at and once I did I said oh shit. The second the words left my mouth, the figure shook its arms side to side very fast and accelerated into a blur that went sideways phasing through the wall and disappeared. I immediately closed the door as fast as I could and stood there a moment to calm down and catch my breath. I was trying to rationalize thinking I had just hallucinated the whole thing because I stood up too quickly. My boyfriend kept asking me what just happened and I just kept saying I stood up too quickly and I was fine and tried to drop the subject. After a second I felt calm enough and I went to use the bathroom because it was basically an emergency at that point, so I ran off and came back after I was done. My boyfriend was still very shaken up when I returned from the bathroom and was holding his phone trying to record the hallway as I walked into the doorway, asking me again what just happened. At this point I knew we both saw something because why would he be trying to record the hallway? So I asked him to describe to me what he thought happened before I explained my side. And sure enough he essentially saw this humanoid figure standing in the hall with a similar description and zip out of sight just like I had seen. After the incident I thought what I encountered was some type of ghost or demon. I had nightmares about it because I was so shaken. Having another witness really made the reality of the situation set in. After a lot of reflection, therapy and lurking on this community I have started to believe it was possibly an ET of some sort or interdimensional being. If anyone is interested I'd be happy to share more details. To this day I have not had anything quite like that happen again, and I have never met or heard of another person with an encounter quite like mine. I can draw a picture if anyone is interested in trying to identify. Edit, I went ahead and did a drawing of what I saw. I know that it probably looks absolutely stupid, but I guess that's a big reason why I stopped thinking it was a demon. Okay, I totally understand if no one believes this, because we are still unsure of what the F happened. But we sat down and came to a consensus on the events, and all agreed we witnessed the same thing. Me and three buddies were hiking Thursday through Friday in San Bernardino National Forest. Various trails, mostly the known ones, and mostly during the day. Friday, we were making our way to Clark's Summit. As we were walking, one by one we noticed that we were veering off the trail. I asked my friend in front of me why he was going off the trail, and he asked our friend who was in front of him the same thing. The friend in front told us I can hear a woman talking, you guys don't hear that. We tried to convince her to leave it be, because it was already kind of dark, and we were close to where we wanted to set up camp on the trail. The friend in front is female, and insisted that what she heard sounded like a female calling for help, and that she sounded really close. So I think she felt inclined to investigate a possible female in distress, while we were totally okay with going about our business. Okay, and I get a bit spooked now because she's absolutely serious, and we absolutely could not hear whatever she was hearing. Here's where it got weird. We only ventured off the trail about 300-400 meters, yet at one point, we were completely lost. We don't have any fancy gear or GPS stuff because we'd never needed it, 
but we've been on this trail enough to know we hadn't gone far, yet we couldn't find the trail in any direction after waking for about 15-20 minutes. I started to feel weird, kinda dizzy slash lightheaded, and when I mentioned this the other two said they felt weird as well. It was like something had changed the environment around us, or moved us somehow to another location. I had no idea which way to go and now it was fully dark. My female friend said the woman's voice had said I'm over here, and please help me. She said it sounded like she was hurt crying. So here we are, somehow lost, after only walking for about 20 minutes off a large trail because my friend is hearing voices. We decided to stop walking in any direction because the last thing you want to do at night is get even more lost. We had two tents and sleeping bags in our packs, so we found a clearing and set up. We figured once the sun was out, we'd easily find our way back to the trail. Before we could even lay down to rest, I noticed a tree near us was moving as if something was climbing it. It was really dark, and I wear glasses so I really struggled to see, so I called them over to see. I thought it was an animal at first, but it wasn't an animal, it wasn't anything. I could see the outline of what roughly looked like a human shape, but it was transparent, like completely see-through. The best way I can describe it is the way heat waves look on the pavement in the summer, you know, that wavy slash liquid effect. They saw it too, my male buddy said what the F are we looking at when he finally spotted it. They all said the same thing, it was transparent but still visible due to the foliage around it being displaced and moving as it moved. We all just stood stone still whispering theories back and forth as to what we thought we were seeing. I thought maybe it was some kind of optical illusion, but they both immediately jumped to aliens of course. The thing just sat there, perched on a large branch about 50 feet up. It's like it was watching us watch it. The other oddity is that after staring at this thing for about 10 minutes, we noticed all the normal forest sounds we heard prior had stopped completely. I mean the only noise was us talking, and the leaves under our feet. The hairs on my neck stood up, and I had goosebumps all over when I realized this, like something was truly wrong. After about 10 minutes of us standing there, whatever this thing was started to climb up the tree even more, until we could no longer see it all. We approached the base of the tree slowly and walked around in a circle with our necks craned up trying to see this thing. It was too dark and the trees were too close for us to see the top. We didn't hear it jump to another tree so we assumed it was still up there. We were all too spooked obviously to camp right underneath whatever this was so we gathered our shit and started walking towards the moon. I shit you not, after about five minutes of walking we were back on the trail. I literally dropped my bag and said with the F out loud. We all stood there confused, looking around trying to confirm what we were seeing. My buddy likes to joke and said maybe we walked through some hallucinogenic spores and had imagined all of that. I highly doubt that, but whatever happened, it seemed kind of, I guess, predatory. Like it seems like something was luring us or trying to confuse us. My friend still thinks we were messing with her about not hearing the woman she claimed to hear. Was it that thing we saw imitating a woman? How did we get lost so close to the trail? This was easily the weirdest thing I've ever experienced in the wilderness. We still don't have a good theory as to what we saw. It may not have been an alien, but whatever it was, it was humanoid and was 100% transparent.
somehow and able to climb a really large tree with ease without making much noise. I would love to hear any theories about what this may have been. Has anyone else seen anything like this in the woods? I saw a Bigfoot cross a dirt road in northern Michigan on Sunday, May 23, 2021 at 3 p.m. in broad daylight in the Manistee National Forest. It was eight feet tall with light gray fur and extremely thin. It was crouched down on all fours then stood straight up and crossed the road in three huge steps into the pine woods and disappeared. I had six kids with me who witnessed also. Long arms, hands swung below knees, slightly hunched forward, no visible ears, short neck. Our hunting buddy also witnessed one walking through the woods on the opening day of gun hunting. We've heard wood knocks and banging on our cabin at night. Lots of activity in Michigan. This occurred in April 2018 when I was living in Escondido, California. One night, around 3.30 a.m. I experienced sleep paralysis. I could not move, I was frozen. It started to get quiet and I live next to a freeway. The windows are always open so it's loud. I am curious about how they always find me. The last house was a nightmare. It's been very quiet here for about one year. There is a sound that is hard to explain. My ears popped. There is a small sonic boom and crackle with it, followed by, well I guess the only way to put it is hearing a ringing of deafening proportion. They must have been around all day. You know when they are there because they glimmer, they sparkle, like a flash of light. I was seeing them all that morning walking around the property. You can call me crazy all you want, but when you have been dealing with this like I have since I was a child, you start to recognize certain glitches, so to speak. Static in the air, but it is just so draining. I can't move. Everything is going dark. It's as if you dim the night more if that is even possible to imagine. I can feel myself slipping away. The feeling is like someone drugged you with a huge sleep sedative. Full force sleep paralysis. They use this tactic all the time. Most can't handle it so they give in or get stuck in the in-between stage as I like to call it, where you are completely frozen but still aware of your surroundings. The buzzing is starting to fade but the feeling this time is so strong, almost angry. It's building, the rage. Fight or flight is kicking in. An overwhelming sense of awareness is hovering over me. Short sparkles followed by a huge shadow start to appear. I can finally start to see but get dizzy. My eyes are starting to focus on what it is that I was seeing. Then, there it was, as I looked up out of bed. It was a tall, red slender-toned body, very fleshy-looking, reptilian around the head but also had a very normal depiction of what a gray alien would look like. Humanoid body, five fingers, but they were very long followed by the last two being shorter. Eight foot tall easy, black eyes, the strangest thing is I wasn't scared, but more worried about the look on its face when it realized I could see it. It stood there forever is what it felt like. Then it raised its hand and pointed it at me. I started to feel so weak and tired. It walked over to me and with every step it made I fell back slower and lower on the bed until it was directly on top of me. Its hand still outward stretched at my head. 
I was now looking straight up at it. Red face with giant black eyes staring me down. The jawline and cheeks were so defined. Very humanoid. But the brow line is what got me. Everything is very emotionless with it. But the facial expression it made was very aware of me noticing it. I don't think it expected that I was going to see it. It did something to me. Whatever it does when they first appear is how it felt at that moment. This thing fought to put me down. You could see it on its face. The strange part there was no fear of it. More like a comfortable friend. You could always count on being there for you in any situation. Just very calm. Trust me, I know it sounds ridiculous, but for the first time in a long time, my eyes are wide open. And what's with the number 33? It always has to do with 33. They always come or give signs at 33 on the clock. No matter the time of night, they usually come at 3.30 or 1.33 in the morning. 